Well, let me encourage you to open your Bible to the 77th Psalm, and there's an outline in your bulletin as well. And I would, uh, as we begin, just ask you, are you the kind of person that really enjoys looking back over the past months of your life, over the past year, and considering what were the victories, what, what were the highlights, what were the accomplishments of the last year, and hey, where were the problems, what were the trials or the shortcomings? Are you that kind of person that likes to look back, or are you the kind of person that says, no way, Forget about it. I want to look forward and focus on the future because that's what I care about. Well, wherever you're at, you can be excited because this week we're going to do one and next week the other, okay? But you might be surprised to know that in the Bible, there are some warnings against looking back. I'll mention a few. You remember from Genesis when God spoke and said that he was going to bring judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah, that wicked city. And he told Lot and his family they needed to flee before fire and brimstone fell. And so he said, don't even look back. And it was all going well until Lot's wife couldn't help it. She looked back and she was frozen into a pillar of salt. A couple thousand years later, Jesus is talking to his disciples about the coming of the end of the age and the destruction of the city of Jerusalem, and how armies would surround the city. And he said, when that happens, flee. Get out of the city. Don't even look back like Lot's wife did. He referenced Lot's wife. And he said, just move. Flee the city. Jesus also said that when it came to following him, and he invited us to follow him, he said, anyone that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. What he meant was that if we're always yearning for the way it used to be, if we're always living and thinking about the passing pleasures of sin that he pulled us out of, instead of following him, we're looking in the wrong direction. We're not going to experience his presence and his power in the here and now. We need to look forward in following Jesus. Having said that, Scripture is filled with admonitions to remember, to look back. In the Old Testament, the prophets and the writers of the Psalms continually said, look at what God's done. Remember the deliverance and pointed back for God's people Israel to remember God's greatness and glory and what he had done back then. You get to the New Testament and Jesus And the apostles, the writers of the New Testament letters, they again and again pointed to the past, to the workings and mighty acts of God, to the deliverance through Christ, knowing that as we look to that end, to the lives of those who had already put their faith in the Lord, we would be encouraged and inspired to imitate their faith. So this weekend, what we want to do is do just that. We want to look back at the works of God and the lives of some people in our midst who've made a real difference. Uh, Each of you, in one way or another, through prayer, acts of service, have made an incredible impact in this community and actually to the ends of the earth. Looking back at 2015, I believe, will prepare us for where we're going 
and uh, point us to Vision Weekend next weekend and beyond. Well, let's start with some principles and then this passage in Psalm 77. And the principle is set forth in your outline. Remembering his wondrous works brings to mind God's greatness. I selected Psalm 77, could have chosen so many different passages because they all, so many reflect this. But I thought, hey, let's read this together. These first three verses, they're in your outline, beginning with verse 11. Let's read it together and go. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? Amen? It's really true, isn't it? What God is so great as our God? There is no God like our God. He's the maker of heaven and earth, and all others are counterfeit. God is great. And we acknowledge that when we think about the past. In fact, too often in our culture, greatness seems to be centered in the people. That person that has accomplished a great feat. Some leader uh, or politician or celebrity. And we talked about heroes last weekend. And yes, people do some great things. But we remember in the church, the source of greatness is always God. Who could do anything without the abilities and the talents and even the breath of life that God loans. And that's certainly true in the church. Paul wanted the church in Corinth and the church in Kaimuki to remember that. And that's why in the first chapter of the letter that he wrote to the Corinthian church, he said this. Now remember what you were, my friends, when God called you. From the human point of view, few of you were wise or powerful or of high social standing. God purposely chose what the world considers nonsense in order to shame the wise. And he chose what the world considers weak in order to shame the powerful. He chose what the world looks down on and despises and thinks is nothing in order to destroy what the world thinks is important. This means no one can boast in God's presence. Isn't that amazing? The plan and the wisdom of God. In that early church, there were slaves. There were people that were on the margins of society. There were uh, impoverished people. Oh, and there were a few noble people in there too. And there were some from Caesar's household. There was a smattering of those as well. But Paul said, no, the bulk of you, he said to that church in Corinth, you weren't the greatest, you weren't the brightest, you weren't the best among the culture, you weren't the most esteemed. But guess what? God gets the glory. And he did. From that small band of believers there in Asia and over into Europe and how it just multiplied. What was that? That's the power of God. And the power of the gospel and the glory then goes to him. And so it is in every age and certainly with our church, we have some wonderful people here. We come from all walks of life. But it's God who is the one who's great. And anything that happens through our ministry and a lot has happened comes from him and his greatness and we give him the glory so remembering his wondrous works brings to mind his greatness but it also brings to mind God's goodness God's goodness is remembered through this past year 
And in verse 14, there in Psalm 77, let's read that together. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. I believe that God's power and his works of miracles display his goodness. That's the purpose of the church. Hold out the good news of Jesus and do good works among the people. And that has certainly been the case at Kaimuki Christian this past year. I thought about the ministries that we have here. Norman mentioned how there's a high percentage of you that are involved in some area of ministry here in the church or in the community. In years past, we've tried to encapsulate that in like a 10-minute video showing pictures, and that's fun and exciting. But even that doesn't even come close to showing all the things that happen through this church beginning in Kaimaki and really to the ends of the earth every year. It's wonderful what happens. I thought instead of that, what I would do this year is just highlight a few examples that really show going beyond Kaimuki and this community into the world. And they're reflected in the giving of this congregation, which has already been alluded to, but the giving to help the poor, to help those who don't know Jesus, the goodness that is reflected in reaching out to people that we don't know and won't meet until we get to glory. Every year... We have missionaries that are in far-flung places on the globe. I mean, from the Middle East to Asia uh, to all kinds of places in Africa. And we shared last year in our missions budget $166,000 for the support of those ministries. And that includes local outreach as well. We do ministry right here, reaching beyond our church through various organizations and some that come right out of our church into this community. 166000 last year, and we're projecting 186000 this coming year. But in addition to that, just that portion that goes to outreach, every year, not even in the budget, we receive three special offerings, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter. And then occasionally an aloha offering, which we did last year. Well, this last year, down at the bottom there, you can see when there was an earthquake in Nepal, we just announced it a week ahead of time and received from you folks generously $10,000, which made a huge impact there in helping the survivors of that earthquake. Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't, I throw it in the bulletin, but we don't always talk about it. But I want to just mention, well, where'd that money go? Well, last Thanksgiving... There were refugees fleeing out of Syria because of the civil war that was taking place there. And we had missionaries there uh, working in Jordan to give them aid and, and help in the name of Jesus. And that was part of it. Also at Thanksgiving, we shared some of that with Jesse Yongmi, our missionary in Thailand. He's already translated the New Testament into language for some tribal peoples. Now he's translating it into uh, the Jirwang people's language. Hasn't, they didn't have a Bible before now, as well as motorcycle for their evangelists and salaries for evangelists. That came out of that offering. In addition, that Thanksgiving offering funded porridge for kids in a school in Kenya, in an orphanage there. We've worked with that orphanage for years. And I told you last year that we're trying to get them to develop a sustainable plan 
and have told them if they cannot. We've helped them and tried to help them. If they can't, we're going to divert our funds elsewhere. And to date, we've not been able to do that. And so we love those folks, but say, you guys, the ball's in your court. And when you can do that, we'll help some more. But, but some of it went to that orphanage as well. All of that, Thanksgiving. Christmas. A bulk of it went to our caring fund right here at Kaimaki Christian to help individuals and families in crisis throughout the year when they need some help. And boy, it's been wonderful to do that. People in our church family and even into our community. A little bit of that went to the HIM ministry, Hawaiian Islands ministry conference. And some of that Christmas offering to help Global Hope minister to villages, in particular in India, places like that, where they're bringing in agriculture, medicine, uh, all kinds of things to help total community development. They're seeing Hindu and Muslim villages come open to the gospel because of that. That was Christmas offering. Easter offering. A good part of it went to Peace Hawaii, affecting the curriculum in our public schools here and equipping Christian parents to navigate those waters and uh, we also gave some to Palolo Elementary to help them with their science kits and other things up there in the valley. Some of the Easter offering went to Global Hope once again because there are now refugees fleeing from ISIS. And we've got missionaries on the ground in Jordan who are ministering to Muslims and Christians there uh, with hope and help in the name of Jesus. And some of that Easter offering went to our creative arts and that's why we're able to fund this uh, Sigmund Freud versus C.S. Lewis Freud's last session coming up this in a couple of weeks here just as an outreach into our community that those were not even in the budget special offerings 117,000 beyond that so thank you for your generosity and just aloha in that Un mentioned his vision, our venture, the capital campaign. We had that in January when we asked you all to pray about and consider what you would give in the next three years beyond your normal tithes and offerings. Already a generous church, but what would you give beyond that to help us build an administration building and some classrooms for our growing school? Got a picture of that here. And what we're going to do, we already broke ground on it, and uh, this admin building, and the first phase will be right here, that's phase 2A, we'll build this in, in a few years, but uh, that building uh, is under construction now, will be completed, we pray, before next school year begins, but this year, we have our first 12th grade class, and uh, we've got duplicate classes in the elementary grades, and now up through high school, have our first graduating class in the spring. I'm excited about the leaders that are going to come out of this school and affect the course of our community, our state, and beyond. Very exciting. But I'm equally excited about another facet of his vision, our venture. Because when we moved into this last January, we decided let's not just build here, Let's build there as well. Kaimoki and Kenya. Because Joe Littlefield and I had just been to Kenya and we had seen some amazing things over there. It's a beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful nation actually. The, the scenery and everything. But a lot of it is not that beautiful. When you get into Nairobi, 
the slums there are horrific. There are three slums in Nairobi. The oldest is Mathari Valley. And there are a million people living in that valley. And most families with many children sometimes are just living in one of those little shacks all together. And about 14 years ago, only 600 of those children in that population of a million in that slum were able to go to school. Without an education, there's no hope. There's no hope to climb out of poverty. It's just a dead end. But Christian Missionary Fellowship partnered with an African couple in there that had started a Missions of Hope. And so they've now planted, with the partnership of churches across the U.S., 16 different schools. And they have uh, about 13,000 children now that are receiving an education in those slums. Not only that, they also have vocational training for women. They have sewing classes. They have beauty salon classes. And so then they're able to go out right into those slums, open their own little businesses or take on piecework or contract work. And they are making a huge difference for those women. The sad thing is the men, there's been nothing for the men. So what happened is they were able to partner and buy four buildings. It's an old high school campus that closed down and was abandoned. And each of those buildings is about a football field long. And they've had donated welding equipment, carpentry equipment, all kinds of vocational kinds of training materials. And they're ready to move it into, they said when we were there last September, but they said, if we move it in there, it'll just get ripped off because it's right there in the slums. Would you help us to build a wall? Well, we had said with His Vision or Venture that we would take 5% of all the proceeds for our building and give that 5% to over there. Well, that's already accrued to like $127,000. So we said, you bet, we'll build a wall. And that's going to be about $10,000 to build a wall or there's Joe looking in that uh, old high school. They're already building the wall. And uh, that'll go around the perimeter. Then they'll be able to have vocational training for men and women along with the gospel. They also have a wonderful microfinance program that we've helped with that is helping these people start their own businesses. So that's been very exciting. But the kids. These children, I mean, there's open sewers running through there. These kids now, many of them are able to go to school, to an elementary school, and that's wonderful. But by the time they get to middle school and high school, it's been really challenging. The drugs that just flow in those slums, the crime rate that is skyrocketing, they've, this partnership of Mission of Hope and CMF, we're able to acquire some land 25 kilometers out of the city and build a school out there and, and, and a dormitories for boys and girls so they can stay out of the slums and get an education where they can actually think. And it's been wonderful. But, but when we got there, uh, we saw these kids. They were excited. They were worshiping God. But the dormitory for the boys had burned down months before. And they had told the boys, we're so sorry, but we're going to have to send you back into the slums until we can get another dorm built. Those kids came to the leaders of that school and they said, look, we'll do anything. We'll sleep on the floor. We'll sleep on the ground. We'll camp out. We don't want to go back to the slums. We can't even live back there. We can't think. We're growing. We're learning here. 
So they let them stay, and they asked us if we would help them to build a dorm for the boys. And we said, yeah, we really would love to do that. So we're doing it. Uh, we're sharing through His Vision Our Venture. They're building the, the walls for the dormitory. And before too long, uh, there will be a dorm for the boys so they can uh, thrive and grow in the Lord as, as well as in their education and have hope for the future. So I'm thankful for the goodness of God that is reflected through this church by your generosity. As we look back, one of the things that we reflect on are the lives of people that have been with us who have now stepped into the presence of Jesus. The Hebrew writer said this, Remember those who led you who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Well, he may have had my, in mind teachers, leaders in the church, but we all know that some people teach us more without speaking than those who do, just by their very lives. And that's true of so many of you, but that's certainly true of some people that we knew this last year who stepped into the presence of the Lord. And I just wanted to remember them this morning and acknowledge them. So take a look at these precious folks. Satoa in his big heart. Mitzi Moriyama, what a servant of the Lord. Polly Good with his challenges and love Jesus. Edwin Kondo in his heart, a servant, pick up communion cups after every service. He just loved Jesus. Bessie Toombs and her love for Christ. Joyce Okimoto, yeah, each one of these. Mitchell Abe and Alvina Kono. We remember each and thank the Lord for their faith. I wanted to say, these that have stepped into the presence of the Lord, we know where they're at, right? We know they're in heaven. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. The Apostle Paul said to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. So today we rejoice with the realization that they are in the presence of the Lord, experiencing all we can even, just what we can begin to comprehend and imagine. This last week, I was watching the news one night, and I noticed that on the big island, they're having a simulation of life on Mars. Mauna Kea. Did any of you happen to see that? In fact, their six crew are going to live in this domed tent for eight months and just see what it's like to live on Mars and why. They said, well, because in preparation for a Mars mission. And I thought, what? Are we sending somebody to Mars? Did I miss this? And I began to do a little research and, oh, yeah, they're serious. There are at least a couple of organizations that are gearing up for Mars missions. One of them is a Dutch organization called Mars One, and they're saying that by 2024, they're going to send their first crew of colonists there. They want to put two colonists on Mars and then every year build from there. They have a Q&A thing on the Internet. And so I thought, wow, what? What is this all about? And they said, yeah, they want to establish that ongoing colony. And uh, one of the questions is, well, how long did it take to travel to Mars? About six to eight months. 
How much do we know about the living conditions on Mars? Is it similar to life on Earth? I'd like to know that if I were going to sign up. He says, well, not really. We do not know everything conclusively about life on Mars. The surface of Mars is said to be the closest to Earth as compared to other planets. That's encouraging, right? But wait. It says, but yet, it's going to be a very harsh place to live. Temperature on the planet varies between plus 60 and minus 225 degrees Fahrenheit with an average of minus 67 degrees. Mars also has the largest dust storms in the solar system, sometimes covering the entire planet. That's a, that's a drawback there. Can you come back if you miss life on Earth? Forget it. Mars, pro, Mars One Project is combing applications of thousands who are willing to dedicate their lives to this one-way mission. There's no coming back if you get homesick. But 200,000 people have already signed up and they've narrowed it down to 600, 660. One person whose video I saw online said this, I think the most important thing in life is to leave a legacy. A lot of people doing that are doing that by having a child, having a family. For me, this would be my legacy to try and find out if there's life on Mars. I think I'd ask somebody to check into that. But anyway, to inspire a new generation, to be the beginnings of a new civilization on another planet, this is my legacy. I thought about it. I thought, wow. You know, if I had to choose in leaving Earth, if I were going to go to Mars or heaven, I'd choose heaven. That's a no-brainer. I mean, it really is. When you think about it and talk about leaving a legacy, I'd rather leave a legacy of faith on how to get there than really checking out Mars. Now, if you want to go to Mars, that's okay, even for a believer. But I'll tell you what, if I were you, I would make sure of heaven before I left Earth, even if I was heading for Mars. I got to thinking about Jesus and heaven and, and how he said this. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Yeah, he's getting heaven ready for us, right? And I wondered about these who are promoting the Mars One project. I mean, are these folks willing to take the first spaceship and do a little sprucing up on that red planet? Maybe even bring in some global warming and raise the temperature a little bit before the rest of No, they're not going to go first. They're going to send other people. And then I thought, well... Are the Mars One people going to guarantee a safe arrival and that you'll survive on that planet where there's no water? No. You have to sign waivers that uh, they're not responsible. But Jesus gave us assurance. He'd not only get us there, we'd not only survive, we're going to thrive in that environment which he's prepared for us. So just a suggestion, and we learn this from the legacy of those who've gone before us, Choose heaven, you know. You might have an interest in Mars, but I'd have a, a commitment to heaven by putting your faith in God because that's where we want to end up. We learn of God's goodness by his works, and one was the resurrection, which promises life forever for those who trust in Christ. One more thing. Remembering his wondrous works brings to mind God's grace. God's grace, God's undeserved kindness. Again, Psalm 77, verse 15, he references this. 
when he says this, and let's read this verse 15 together. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people. What redemption is he talking about in the Psalms? He's talking about God's redemption of the people of Israel when they were enslaved in Egypt. Remember 400 years? Maybe you saw the Ten Commandments or one of those, the Prince of Egypt. Well, that's a picture of Scripture where it says that God's people were enslaved by the Egyptians for all those years. And then God reached down and through Moses said, you tell the Pharaoh to let my people go. Well, Pharaoh didn't want to. But finally, after ten plagues, and the tenth plague was the one where they were, the Israelites were to take a little lamb, a spotless lamb, and slay that lamb and put the blood up on their doorposts and the lintel of their homes so that when the death angel came through that night, it would pass over the homes of the Israelites. They'd be spared. Whereas the firstborn of all the Egyptians would be struck down. And that was enough for Pharaoh to say, get out of my presence. And so Moses led him out and then to the Red Sea where God parted the sea and they passed through on dry ground. About 1,500 years later, the Apostle Paul wrote to that same church we talked about in Corinth and he said, that was a picture. That was a beautiful picture because we who have followed Christ were once enslaved to sin and, and this world and all that it offered. We were enslaved to that. We didn't even know it, we were enslaved to it. But God sent a deliverer. And that Lamb of God gave his life on the cross. Not those little lambs, but the ones that those, the little lambs all look forward to who would be the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And his blood, which was spilled on that cross, is the salvation for those who put their trust in him so that death won't destroy us. And so the blood of Christ saves us, Paul said, and now we follow Jesus through the waters of baptism to declare that he's our Lord and he's the Savior. Well, this last year, a number of people found deliverance from sin and forgiveness and expressed that by declaring their faith in Christ in the waters of baptism. And now I'd like to have us look at that video showing us these people and reminding us of the grace of God. All right, praise God. Isn't that great? Wow, each one of those is a gift from God to this church, but also just a symbol of His grace. And we rejoice in each one. Well, I want to bring this message to a close, but you know what? I really believe that a backward glance gives us confidence to move forward. It really does. It gives us, it builds our faith and strengthens our confidence to trust him for what's coming in the coming year. But here's the thing, and I'll leave you with this passage as we close. It comes from Isaiah. It's God speaking to his people. And they were rejoicing in the past, and he says, do not call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. Don't, don't live there. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. The people whom I formed for myself will declare my praise. Yes. We're excited and thankful for what God has done, but we don't live there. We live looking to the Lord and believing what God's going to do in this coming year. Next weekend, we'll talk more about that. Let's bow together for prayer. 
Lord, we do give you thanks and praise your name for the mighty things that you've done here in this church and through this church into this community this past year. Thank you for each person. Thank you for redemption and forgiveness and the promise of everlasting life. And I'd pray for anyone here this morning who's uncertain of where they're going to spend eternity, doesn't know the joy of your forgiveness. This would be the day of salvation that he or she would say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you and I want to follow you. Lord, move in each of our hearts as we seek to follow you. I pray in your name. Amen.